Hey, my tribe. This is an intro to the following podcast where Stacy and I do part two about growing older. I'm doing a little intro because um, I noticed that the sound quality wasn't really that great be- as a result of just external noises. And even at one point, Amazon came and knocked on my door and we got interrupted and And I've been kind of thinking about that and, you know, I have those perfectionistic thoughts that are like, you know, oh, we should go to a studio. And I don't want to do that. Um, What I like about this podcast is it's just, it's just me and it's just you guys and it's ours and it's not meant to be professional and it's sort of the equivalent of meetings in church basements. I mean, just fold out chairs and... A light switch and then you know a script and I really like that people just are um, in my living room that I'm in my living room and that it's just a truly homemade um, podcast so um, without further ado here is part two with Stacy and I and background noises and Amazon interrupting us all right love you bye Hello, everyone. We're here on Nicole's podcast. Uh, this is Stacy. I'm a anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive overeater in recovery. Um, I talked with Nicole for part one of our conversations about aging and recovery, and she's handing the reins over to me to host today. I have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous, Nicole, but you're making me feel confident just being here with you. Um, so we are getting into part two today, and this is going to feature, I talked a lot about in part one, really just my story, kind of giving more context to where I am at at this point, uh, being a 41-year-old woman in recovery uh, with an eating disorder. And now really we're going to be featuring Nicole and her experiences. And part of kind of the transition from part one to part two is that we are both looking at the decade of the 40s from opposite ends. So I'm starting, I'm still at the beginning, and Nicole is wrapping hers up. So I want to turn it over to her to... Well, let's tell them about part three, which we just did today. Yes, yes. So Nicole has, yeah, part three is in the works. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Nicole? Well, um, I coincidentally met with my sponsor today, and as I was leaving, I was saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, and then boom, I couldn't even finish the sentence because I'm looking at her going like, <gasps> and, and I thought, would she? And she is. So my sponsor, Julie, is um, who thinks it's so cute right. that Stacy and I are talking about, you know, getting older in OA. Right. I'm like, she's going to do it. So she's going to be our part three and she's 67. Right. So, um, but, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't have to go incrementally. But just, yeah. again, going through the 50s and sort of telling, yes. sharing with us the getting yes. older in recovery. Love it. I'm yeah. so excited. I know. Me I can't too. wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see, Nicole, do you want to start with, um, yeah, I guess just your perspective at nearing the end of your 40s. And as we've talked about being a woman in recovery with yeah. an eating disorder, Um just what that looks like for you, the aging process, like yeah. what you've experienced so far, kind of what you see going forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, a little bit of background without going into my story is that, you know, even though it took me a long time, I did finally get down to quote unquote goal weight 
uh, about the age of 34. Mm-hmm. And so I had youth and sexuality and I had sexual confidence around my body. Now, what's interesting, which I've shared about in the body image dysmorphia, is I still thought I was fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but other people were telling me that I looked fine. Right. But I was able to shop in regular clothes. I felt confident wearing, like, sexual clothes for mm-hmm. women, you know, and, um, you know, showing the girls and right. doing all that. And um, so that period. Now, in my... Unfortunately, with my story is, is that then I got sick. Mm-hmm. But but the point being is, is that I did get to experience, you know, being young and sexy and and having the that sort of weight thing. And then, of course, the complication of that, which is particular to having an eating disorder, is that it still wasn't enough for me. Right. Like, I kept thinking, like, I need to lose 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds. And then I went through right. that experience. But, um, so I had that and then what happened was as I got sick and then I started to come out of getting sick and started to feel good again. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, that was me moving here in my Mm forties. So it's really interesting because I was like, well, you're 41 and I turned 40 here. But the Mm -hmm. point is, is that I still had youth. Um, I was still... Uh, and I'm not embarrassed to say this, I'm 5'7", so I was a size 10, which is exactly, you know. When I got to be a size 8, my friends actually thought, which was shocking to me, by yeah. the way, just so people know. Like, I thought I was a size 8. I was like, yeah, I'm a size 8. They were like, eat something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, again, it's interesting, our perceptions and yeah. whatever. And um, But I was size 10, and I was just like, you know, comfortable wearing you know, form-fitting clothes. And and then what's really challenging was is that... Now, there are complicated issues with this because I've also talked about how... But this is relevant, you know. So this is... I'm, I'm editing myself because I'm like, well, I didn't really follow a normal, you know, whatever path. And I'm like, well, no, but that's why I'm here talking to you. Right. Which is, is that for me... Um, what that brought up for me was my actual, my last major relapse. Mm-hmm. Because there I was, I was old enough that I had experience. Yeah. So I had a certain confidence. Yeah, I'd done enough inner work, you know. I had lost the weight. And and then I, I was being visible. So meant, I was p- meaning like, People were, men were seeing me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that men weren't seeing me in my 30s, but again, I was distracted with my own health issues, and I just was like, well, I'm not, I'm not interested. I can't even imagine. Right, like you weren't available for that. And also, I've way. been a late bloomer, so I could imagine that what I went through in my early 40s is what a lot of women go through in their 30s. Right. But for me, it was like, okay, I had gained all this weight, on purpose yeah to desexualize my body right and so to now the other thing that's peculiar to me is that in San Francisco I was dating women and so when mm-hmm. I came here so that's another sort of late bloomer thing is, right. is that I was like I didn't tell anyone that I um, was queer and that I used to date women I was like yeah I don't I was going through my own thing there and I was like I want to break 
you know, I'm so, and you know, if there are lesbians that tell you that, you know, you, you don't get burnt out on the lesbian community, they're fucking either lying to you (laughs) or they haven't been in it long enough. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and, and also again, it's like, I was in San Francisco, so it was like, the lesbian police were, yeah. were rampant everywhere. But that's yeah. true of any any culture. If you get into the middle of it, you start to feel not just the incredible joy of it, but also the, you know, it, it can start to wear on you. But right. anyway, but so then I was up here and I started dating men again. And, and so having that kind of attention was, I was having to process that and I was having to process, unfortunately, how that would activate me. Mm-hmm. So even before, so this is my young 40s. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily physically aging yet, right. which is where you're at. Right. You know, you can, you might be able to see little signs. Yeah. But to the rest of the world. Yeah. I don't know about you, sweetheart, but I can imagine that when you tell people you're 41, they're like, you're kidding. Yeah. I usually get that, that reaction. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I got was yeah. like, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh my God, you look great. I think yeah. that's our clean living, right? Right. So, so my early forties were so much about reconciling, you know, my trauma history. And that was my ma- last major relapse that, mm-hmm. you know, that's why coming up in actually on the 25th, I'll have five years. So even though I've been in program for 21 years, I only have five years of abstinence. Right. And what, and part of that whole early process was having enough therapy under me that I knew my story and knew who I was. Yeah. And having enough recovery that I had skills and no longer ran with scissors. Right. So I was really starting to pass for normal. Right. Then I had lost the weight and I was feel and I was out of my illness, so I was feeling confident in my body. Right. And then lo and behold, I was getting the male gaze. Right. And the male gaze is kind of what you start to lose. Right. So that's why I like want to die. Like, I, but I like had the male gaze yeah. and, and you know, I was used to, and I'm, I'm now I've circled back around to mm-hmm. the male gaze where it's like what I had before when I was bigger, when I'm meaning a bigger size yeah. was men just looked at me like I was their aunt, aunt Meredith or right. something. You know what I mean? It's like if they saw me, I was just a like generic person in yeah. front of them. Yeah. I wasn't a guy. Yeah. But I was not, there was not this look where all of a sudden, you know, I'm standing there and I know you're a man and you know I'm a woman. Yes. And there's just this instant sort of recognition of whatever. Well, before I lost the weight, that wasn't there. Yeah. I was just, you know, a transaction. Right. You know, what can, and it's, they were nice and everything, but I was like, there was no recognition right. of like, you know, let's proliferate the, you know, species. Yeah. That, uh, that interest. Yeah. Or just even that recognition. Yeah. It's the recognition. Now, when I lost the weight and everything, I was getting that all the time. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, if you pay attention and I'm talking about straight men when a woman comes in the room if you're fuckable yeah you know what I mean and not like I'm so drunk fuckable right but like you know fuckable yeah they 
their their energy shifts. Yeah. And that's what I was like, mm-hmm. was you can, like, you can feel it. You can feel it. Yeah. And you know, and for women, it's like, we just, okay, that's fine. You know, well, hold on. We got interrupted for Amazon. They're so great. <laughs> but, uh, so I, so again, being part of the male gaze. Now, granted, there are some women that have had that from day one. Yeah. And there are some that, you know, will never get it and whatever. But it, so for me to go from not getting it. Right. Um, to then getting it. And again, like I may, I probably totally got it in my twenties, but I was interested in, in women and black men. I mean, like, you know what I mean? So who knows? Yeah. But, but I don't think I did because here's the thing. In my twenties, I weigh, I was overweight. Mm -hmm. So the only gaze I was getting was from women or from black men. And now that I'm talking to you about it, I remember specifically not getting a gaze Mm -hmm. from white men. And the thing that helped me with getting a gaze from, you know, brown men and black men was, it's like, oh, this is a big cultural thing. Right. That was actually very healing for me. Yes. Which is like, oh, my own culture doesn't like me. Yes. I'm not the beauty standard here, but that doesn't mean that that there's something wrong with me. So that was kind of healing. Right. So... So there I am in my early 40s and I'm fe- now and it's funny because we say like oh I just want to be beautiful I just want we don't know what the price of that is Exactly. You know and I I didn't know and I'm not even like I'm not you know I couldn't model I couldn't do anything like that but just to go f- to and I think also like the confidence mm-hmm. so there's the sexual confidence cuz I certainly had that. Yeah. You know, that's something I feel very confident about. If you want to get naked together, I'm very confident. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're it, game for that. Yeah, I'm game for that. I've like, I've read books. I've gone to classes. I mm-hmm. can teach you shit. But, you know, if you want to go to a couples counselor session with me and talk about my feelings, I'm just like, <laughs> dude, suddenly my dude comes out yeah. and I'm like, no, I don't want to, no, no, no yeah. vulnerability, yeah. no vulnerability. I'd rather show you my crotch than show you my heart. <laughs> right. But I just had that kind of, you know, and again, this is all like mechanisms to like how to protect myself, how to whatever. And so, you know, uh, I'd lost track of what I was talking about. Oh, like, so to be, oh, right. So we talk about want, like, oh, I wish I could wake up and be beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? Or just God, please just make me attractive. Please right. just make you know, me desirable, right? right? Yeah, it feels like this holy grail in our culture, but it's much more complicated than that. Oh my God. And then it was interesting to like have this sort of, you know, I would not be, you know, in the store. I, I had no illusions about myself. And I remember saying to my best friend, I'm like asking her sincerely, this is how yeah. bad my body image dysmorphia was because my store, I was a late bloomer and I was, I was like Pippi Longstocking. Yeah. And so, and, and so I was used to being told that I was ugly, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was definitely that like little girl who grew up being told she was ugly. And then when I stopped being ugly, no one told me. <laughs> right. And at that point I'm 200 pounds. Yeah. So now there's a whole, so it just keeps reinforcing. And right. so I remember calling my best friend and being like, bunny, am I attractive? And and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, and I said something like, no, really, I need you to tell me, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't just, 
And this is her edification around what it means to have an eating disorder and body image right. dysmorphia. I'm like, no, this is not like a girlfriend call, you know, I'm having a bad day. I yeah. need you to tell me I'm attractive and whatever. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm telling you right now that my core feeling about myself is that I'm ugly. Right. And I need you, I need you to, to get down here with me and right. tell me the truth. Right. And she said... Um, reflect a sane reality back reflect to you. a sane and an honest one yeah you know because my mom would be like nick you're beautiful right i'm yeah. like okay i thank you <laughs> yeah you're my mom you're my mom count. it totally doesn't count yeah you know what i mean and uh and also that that melanie understood that i had uh, an eating disorder and that yeah. this was like and and the body image dysmorphia piece and so she said you know, we're not the pretty girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not, meaning like we're not the Beyonce's and whatever. And she said, we're more like the Janine Garofalo's. Yeah. And I I was like, if I even thought I was as attractive as Janine Garofalo, (laughs) I mean, it was like flooring to me that I was like, you mean I'm in the class of Janine Garofalo? (laughs) Like, I didn't think I was in that class. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even this whole class thing, like this class right. of attractiveness. But it's true. Well, there's a hierarchy. Yes. There is a real hierarchy. You know? And again, this is where we want to... Stacey and I want to get into the conversation around aging for yes. women. So, in the early 40s, there I am. And for the first time, it's like, I'm now suddenly in this place that I had been praying to be right. forever. And, and it's so true. It's like, well, you get there and you don't know what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly it's just like, and it's not like it was the ugly duckling story where it's like, you know, I come in and everyone stops and turns and looks at me. Yeah. It's that all of a sudden I'm in the game. Yeah. And I had never been in the game before. Right. All of a sudden, I'm at. I was at the dance floor. Yeah. And no one was asking me to dance. Yeah. I was, and I wasn't a wallflower because I was like, well, fuck you. I'm gonna go over here. Yeah. To the women's bathroom, where let me tell you, there's some good shit going on <laughs> over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you know, I I'd get invited to like the hip hop room, and be like, oh. They want to dance with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But again, I was... But it's like, well, I'm white. And these are my people. And, it, you know, it, I don't know. It just... It still fucked with my head. Right. You know, that my own culture didn't want me. Right. And so to suddenly, like, you know, leave the women's bathroom, come out onto the dance floor and realize that, you know, and walk in there and have guys smile at you. Yeah. Or, or straighten up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And shift their okay. body language a little bit because yeah. I walk, you know, kind of looking around. Right. <laughs> looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And is going like, is this okay? But yeah. again, I'm so like, whatever, transactional, thank you. Yeah. And then what happened was, and this is the, you know, when I was 45 is there were a couple of men at work. So again, that's just out in the world where yeah. it's just like, just the experience of, but all I have to do is just, like, not talk to that checker anymore. Or also, I just, like, fine flirting with the checker. He's a fucking checker. I'm not going to... Right. Nothing's really going to happen here. Yeah. The interaction's going to be as brief as you want it to be. Well, yeah. Generally. And it's also, it's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And get a little, like, oh, he thinks I'm cute. Oh, you know, yeah. and whatever, and move on. And yeah. then, 
but then what happened is is that there were a couple of men at work mm-hmm. that I was actually like really attracted to. Yeah. Like as in like oh, you know. Yeah. And this I don't want to get too much into the story cuz I tell it so many times, but you know, I was feeling really good. So this must have been yeah, this was 45, mm-hmm. you know, at 45 and looking good, feeling good, feeling sexy in my body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the guy that I liked, unfortunately I can't remember his name, but that's because I have dysnomia. That's no reflection on him. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what he looked like. But anyway, like, he did something. Like, we always had these little sort of exchanges. Yeah. But it was something a little bit more something. Right. You know what I mean? And the next day, I mean... I totally broke my abstinence. And mm. so the so my particular issues around. Now yeah. for people who don't know, I'm I'm a sexual abuse survivor. Yeah. So to have it was just too much. Yeah. And that's what led to and you know, we can do, well probably by knowing me, I'll probably do a whole nother podcast on that around being in my body and um and having that level of of sexual attention and the vulnerability of that and it was too much which is what led me to do the shame work right and then the emdr and all the healing work right so that's a whole separate podcast which we'll save for another time but to go on with the aging thing is is that that was also right around the time that a couple of things happened that you have to look forward to okay i'm ready tell me your midlife crisis existential you know, and if you think you're having oh, it now, I, yeah, I've already started it. No, nope. so this is gonna nope. keep going. Yep. All right. No. 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 Or a whole different one, like phase two. Yeah. Phase. I probably on. I'm probably already on phase two. Maybe yeah. it'll be what phase three. Yeah. It's okay. like a whole different because I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. I totally was like, I live in existential crisis. Right. right. When am I not? That's when actually am I my, not? De- my default state. I know. Is existential I'm just like. Crisis. So I honestly thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there is, and again, it's that thing of like, you think about something. Yeah. You know, you have a vision of it in your head and what life is going to be like. Yes. But when you actually start showing age. Yeah. And aging. Yeah. And you hit, it's it's sort of like, you know, being... Uh, 14 or 15 and talking about what you're going to be like in college. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think because you're in high school, yeah. you know what college is going to be like. And, but you, again, because of your limited awareness, yeah. you can't see what you don't know. Yeah. And you don't know quite a lot. Right. It's very different to be hitting 45. And I'm just using that as it wasn't to date. It's right. not like a date happened. Yeah. But to be hitting this place where I realized, you know, visibly, you know, my hair graying and whatever, and also physical stuff was happening in my body. Yeah. I suddenly got like, oh, oh, you know, the immortality of youth. Mm -hmm. I suddenly got like. Oh, I am literally at the halfway mark yeah. of my life. Yeah. And the next 45 
yeah. are not going to be as energetic as the first 45. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is the joy. Right. Which is, and this is where I want to end up in, is, is that, you know, I want to make sure we circle back to this. I want to stay, you know, a little bit chronological, but the joy of turning 50. Right. So don't let me forget that. Yeah. But let's go back to, but the other side of the, like, you know, looking at the next 45, giving up the youth, is it's so true, true that, you know, youth is wasted on the young. Yes. And so it's like, oh, but, you know, so that's a real thing. Now, what I thought midlife crisis was going to be, because it's so much in the media, is, you know, these people who went to college, got married, got a job, had kids, and all of a sudden they're in their midlife and they're buying Miatis and they're wanting mm-hmm. to live their youth, get second youth. Right. And I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. I have never been part of mainstream. Right. I'm just now passing for normal. Yeah. I've had a very atypical path. Yeah. I've done crazy ass shit. I've gone pr- crazy places. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. so we don't need to add in more crazy. I have right not now. been someone who has been trapped into a normal path. Right. And did that. And then at 45 realizes that they've never really lived. They've never really lived, or had, never really lived yeah. or had an adventure. Yeah. And all of a sudden now they're yeah. like quitting that corporate job and right. whatever. And now they're going off and being rebellious and whatever. Yeah. I was like, so I thought, that I would kind of ease through my mm-hmm. quote-unquote midlife crisis. Right, like you would just skip that stage. Or that I would be like, I, I knew that, I didn't think I'd be immune to it, but I thought it'd be kind of like, it's kind of like if, you know, you've, you you actually kind of speak Spanish and then you have to take Spanish one. Right. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, I'll probably learn stuff, but, right. you know. Yeah. I are you know what I mean? So was there any part of you because you were in recovery and you'd been in recovery for a while at that point that also projected or assumed like I won't go through this because I've I've done so garnered, much yeah, all this wisdom. I've done all this work. I've maybe worked through all these things that all these other people are trying to work out through this, you know, buying their well, unfortunately, sports cars and all that type of thing. No, or was that not a factor? That wasn't a factor because the um, when I had the health crisis and the trauma memories come up at when I was thirty six, mm-hmm. I had expected to be in the promised land. Mm, so right. I had already gone through this whole like I expected to arrive. Yeah. And life doesn't promise you that. Right, okay. So I didn't... So I have learned that, you know, life doesn't guarantee you anything. Right. And that you never graduate. Yeah. So that so that's why I didn't think that I was going to skate by. I was yeah. like, I'm not, fall, I'm not okay. deluding myself like that again. Yeah. I just... And I remember, I think I wrote a piece, you know, I don't write very... I write once, like, every two years around, like... You know, not knowing what, knowing that I was going to have some sort of midlife crisis and being kind of curious as to what it would be. Right. Because what it typically is, is like not my story. I'm like, I am so, I have been, people don't understand this. I have been craving normalcy. Yeah. Since I was really young. Every fucking thing I did. Yeah. You know, I, 
you know, I was told girls don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. That's, you know, mm-hmm. it, meaning like either positively, yeah. like, oh, you're really good at math. Girls are, there were three girls in my, when I went to that special school for intelligence and everything, there were three girls. I was wow. one of three girls. Yeah. So it's like, or, oh, I'm really tomboy or, oh, I'm really good at saying no. I cannot tell you how many times I was told that the way that I occupy space in the world is not normal. Right. And whether it's like being pathologized right or being like oh you know women don't normally act like that that's so great that you know how to right. do that yeah like feeling like an outlier whether positively or negatively negatively yeah. exactly and it's just like i just want to i just want <laughs> just put me in the middle of the bell curve for once, once. Please. yes yeah, yeah exactly like i just this craving you know what i mean and it's like kids who are orphaned or who are in foster we just want that normal family yeah. life you know so yeah. that longing for just right. some sort of normal family life right. so but what my midlife crisis was was understanding that so at 40, around 45, and after that relapse, I gained like 25 pounds. Okay. And and that was also just, so some of that was the relapse, but a lot of that was, is that I had stopped, you know, fiendishly exercising. Right. I don't want to say fiendishly. To me, now it feels like fiendishly. What you do in your 30s and yeah. whatever is, you know, you exercise like four or five times a week, if not every day and whatever. Yeah. And it's just part of your lifestyle and that's so great. Right. So I stopped doing that. And for me, when the 25 pounds, I remember talking to Julie about my sponsor. I have a friend, Julie, so I'm going to try and remember to just say my sponsor, my sponsor. But um, so, you know, people don't get confused. But anyway, was is that I said, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I know that your metabolism slows down, Yeah. you know, about 10 pounds every decade. And I said, I'm not ready. Yeah. And so that's when we, t- I talked to her about it. I did a dramatic, um, losing weight food plan that yeah. was very low calorie. Yeah. I was very closely monitored. I just wanted to, you know, lose the the initial 20 pounds, which I did. And then um then I got off of that and was just on a maintenance food plan. Um and I did that up until last January, but in order for me and I and again my health issues came up. So what happened was is that um, I wasn't able to exercise uh-huh. and I, but I still was not willing to go up a size. Right. And so the only solution is to eat less. Right. And so for three years I was able to do a ridiculous c- calorie thing, but I was, I was happy with it. Mm-hmm. I found ways to like, if you want to learn how to maximize your calorie intake, yeah. you know what I mean? It's out there. And it's true. I just ended up eating a fuck ton of vegetables, right. a fuck ton of like food. So I had plenty of food to eat. I was yeah. just very focused on, um, you know, not consuming a lot of calories. And that's another thing is like I was not ready. Like I knew my youth was going. Yeah. In a very real way. Yeah. And I was not ready to put on, you know, the 40, the one size 40, you know, and then right. one size. So then, so this is like now the mid forties. Yeah. And the thing that was sort of a crisis for me was that I had dedicated so much work. Like the focus of my life was healing from my childhood. Right. That everything I did was just about recovering 
from the first 18 years of my life. Right. And my midlife crisis was, I cannot do another 45 years of that. Right. And it was kind of like a come to Jesus moment in mm-hmm. terms of like me going to Jesus. Yeah. And just being like, listen, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. I need to let you know. Right. I can't. So I actually went through a bit of a depression because I'm also dealing with all the trauma memories. So mm-hmm. once again, you know, I've done all this work and this whole new level of healing is required. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I was just so my existential crisis or midlife crisis was I'm losing the youth mm-hmm. to go have fun in life. Yeah. That I'm doing all this fucking work for. Right. You know, and more stuff is coming up. And if I look at the last, I don't want to relive the last 45 years of my life. Right. No. I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. And you're telling me I've got 45 more. Yeah. You know, and so where I was, where I was at was I could not, you know, because now this was the second time that recovery had led me to uncover something really deep. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yeah. And this was when the whole, um, you know, I don't know if you remember that angel with the, where I was walking to work and I was like, why oh, am yeah. I doing no, this? I do. Why am I doing yeah. this? And I was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't saying God give me a sign, but I was kind of like, yeah, I need some help. You were, it was like the ongoing, I love the phrase you always use, the ongoing like dark night of the soul. Yeah. That keeps going on keeps night, going after night, night after, after night after night, like in your waking hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I need, you know, why should I keep doing this? Yeah. You know, this is a lot of work for all of us. Yeah. And this is why this podcast means a lot to me is because, you know, if you're connected to me and, and my sponsor, whatever is, we have dealt with some shit. Yeah. And it's like, it has adversely affected our lives. Like I like to tell people, you didn't end up with an eating disorder for no reason. Right. You know what I mean? Like you don't just wait. We weren't trying hard enough. Right. Or just like you thought like that would be cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not an actual normal in terms of healthy response to harm yourself. Yeah. It's actually something that it's like you're wired to not do. So if you are, what's that called? Over, Overriding, Overriding, you know, that impulse to heal and take care of yourself, you're in a really dark place. Right. And and how did you get there? Right. Yeah, we've all been through a lot of pain to get to a place where we have an eating disorder. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the other 40, you know, was like, okay. And again, that like, I've got another 45. And this is, again, assuming no accidents, no whatever, but the possibility. Right. It was not like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm like, you mean I could live another 45 (laughs) years? You know what I mean? I was just like, and the possibility that they would look anything like the struggle. Right. The struggle of the last 45 was like. Yeah. So that was more my existential crisis. Right. And then on top of that then was, so I kind of went through that. Had that like, you know, my job is to carry light in dark places and just was like, okay, just focus on that. Yeah. Like, you know, for today, I'm not capable of killing myself. Yeah. I'm not capable of emotionally killing myself, which would be to leave the rooms. Yeah. Or to binge and purge. Right. You know, or have sugar. You know, I'm actually going to have to walk through this fucking thing. Right. This, you know, the purifying flames of hell. Yes. Yet again. Yes. 
not as intense as the first time though let me tell you right so okay little, good to know no yeah. yeah you know they're not as but it's still and a lot shorter by the way honey, yeah so just yeah. So keep that in mind yeah but anyway but just again this another sort of right growth cycle another sort of rebirthing and going through that canal and it's right. just like <laughs> is there another way out is there another no, way out there's only like, one canal you know okay. cesarean universe <laughs> yeah. can we do a cesarean here with this you know caterpillar butterfly mortal you know which yeah. kills me um <laughs> yeah. but anyway but um so there was that piece um of of getting to that place and then what was happening so that was about there was about three years because then what was happening was aging. Yeah. And and all of a sudden getting now all of a sudden I'm not considered a young woman anymore. Right. So even though I may be still getting some gazes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, from men and whatever, mm-hmm. I am now showing my age. Yeah. So now I am being recognized as an older woman. Yeah. And I am being treated that way. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, I am hyper aware mm-hmm. of how I am moving towards invisibility. Right. I'd been hearing about it. Yeah. I didn't understand. I knew by definition what it meant. Yeah. But again, very different yeah. to actually be in it. Right. And to be like, oh, I'm going to start being dismissed right. on a whole new level. Yeah. All of a sudden now, getting Clooney marrying, what's her name? Yeah. Now, I get that it's like men at 50 get to decide that they have a baby. Right. That they want to have start a family. Yeah. And I'm 50 and I'm sorry, I can't that help you. That ship has sailed. That yeah. ship has sailed. But also getting like, and then getting like, all the men leaving women for younger women. And, and let's be honest, for reasons besides being able to have a child with these women. That's what I'm saying. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And I'm getting like, oh, culturally, historically, and socially, because I'm a woman getting older, I am somehow losing my value. Yeah. Now, the thing that I had that not everyone had, was because I was in the bathroom with all the women. Yeah. You know, I was in some serious, amazing circles of women who, and this gets the whole, like, I'd always been looking forward to turning 50. Yeah. Because there were these badass women yeah. who were, like, in their late 40s, 50s, whatever, rocking the world, changing the world. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I did have in my mind that, okay, if I do all this work, I didn't realize it'd be 50. I thought it would happen a lot sooner. Yeah. You know what I mean? But just the idea that it's like, okay, if I do this, and this is what I want to tell you, honey, that is coming true. Yeah. That turning 50 fucking thing is I'm like, that's yeah. why I started telling people I was 50 when I turned 49. Because I was <laughs> yeah. just like, I want credit now. I love it. You're doing the opposite of like what most or, you know, stereotypically everyone else does. is like shaving a couple of years off. You know, like, I'm turning 49 for the third time. Yeah, I'm like, like no. I, I love that you're jumping ahead. ahead. I'm doing like, the reverse. I'm like, no, I'm telling everyone, well, technically this is my 50th year. Yeah. Because right. zero to one. Yes, exactly. So when I turn 50, we're talking about, year like, starting. yeah, my 51st yeah. year. Yeah. And, and I think just that was the benefit of being a woman's studies major, being in the lesbian com- feminist community, is just being surrounded by so many badass women who were such incredible role models of female badassery that I was like, 
Yeah. You know, and also I had, when I turned 30, I got my birth chart done. Yeah. You know, and, and she said, you know, the, these next 20 years, I was 30. She goes, the next 20 years are information gathering for you. Hmm. And and it's and then when you turn fifty, yeah. you know you're going to shift to a whole nother level. Yeah. So that was also so one being a, a late bloomer. Yeah. And all of that. So I have been really looking forward to turning fifty. So there's this duality that I've actually been being, experiencing the last few years, which is realizing that I am now getting to a place of almost invisibility. It's it yeah. started happening a little bit already. Right. But I am deaf, and what I and it, and the feeling that it's going to happen more. So right. I am definitely sexually invisible. Right. You know what I mean? Unless you have a fetish. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Would you that, say? Would you say that's the first part of invisibility that you? Well, it's interesting because now because of you know uh, the Demi Moore phenomenon right during my 40s i got a lot of 20 year olds yeah wanting right. to, and it, the whole the, cougar the, it's true and there's movement. there does seem to be this sort of rite of patch passage or notch in your belt for men yeah there are a couple of them one is is like having sex with some woman of color right you know what i mean to show how liberal you are yeah you know and then the other is like did you make out with a guy and or have sex with him you know yeah. these are again like they're little trophies right and then you know that they, they that you've dated an older woman right like that you're you're such a liberal you're so sexually adventurous and and you're so progressive yeah right you're so progressive so that if anyone says anything to you you're like well my ex-girlfriend is right. from haiti right i haven't you discriminated against any and, sexual possibility right Exactly. Here are all my examples. Here are all my examples. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm cool with with yeah. gay people. I made out with my best friend once when we were super drunk. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And whatever. In all of these ways, it disqualifies but you from actually understanding yeah. the experience yeah. with that person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that again in the '40s, and um, but uh, the thing with the f- coming into these late '40s and entering my 50th year is, here's the feeling that I feel today. I am, I no longer have the existential crisis of like whatever. I, this is a different podcast, but I had such a healing experience from doing the shame work and the EMDR. Yeah. And then, you know, the universe giving me experiences that did incredible healing. Yeah. On all the work that you and I are doing and whatever that I now get like just the joy of living. Right. So now when I look at my next 40 years or whatever, I don't feel that they are going to, you know, be a continuation. Right. That's another reason why I'm so excited to turn 50 is because, and I wish I could just tell people this, like, stay in the rooms. Yeah. Stay in the rooms. It took so long, yeah. you know, for me to get here, but I had a lot of trauma. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid to even take the ACEs, ACE, the Adverse Childhood Experience right. test, right. because off the top of my head, like, I heard it one time, yeah. and I think there were three things that I could say no to. Yeah. And then, you know, a friend of mine, she got a seven out of 10. I'm like, well, if she got a seven, yeah, I'm like, I don't even want to know right? because I've had 
the car I've had like all of them like this is I'm like oh my yeah. god you know what I mean yeah. so like your body already knows the answer to yes. that test so yeah and I just to... I'm just like no you know so I so it's like I'm finally feeling as I step into 50 that I and it's not that I've graduated yeah it's that I'm not carrying this level of pain and shame. Right. You know, that I had been carrying my whole life. Now, each decade of work that I did, I shed some. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like getting to a deeper level, getting to a right. deeper level. And I have a feeling that now it's just going to... But I do feel like now I can focus on just building a life. Right. You know, as opposed to recovering. Right. Now, I also, it takes 18 professionals to get me out of bed in the morning. Like, (laughs) it takes a lot of work for me to do this. Yeah. You know, but if I do this, then I get to pass for normal. Now, I'm not normal. Right. And that becomes very evident when I'm around people who have not had experiences like I've experienced. Right. And so, my favorite people to hang out with are people in the rooms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because... We've all been in the ICU. You know, I use the analogy of, like, getting hit by a Mack truck. We've all been hit by a Mack truck. We've all spent time in the ICU. Where I get a little protective of people is when they're like, well, she had 73 bones broken and I only had 15. I'm like... Yeah. Okay, be grateful that you didn't have... But you were hit by a Mack truck. Right. You know, which is what it feels like for a little child to grow up with that sort of adverse experience. Is that it's that impactful. Right. It's just this psychic smash that affects you on so many levels. Right. And then there's a healing process and all of this healing stage. So some of us, yeah, we have to spend more time in ICU. We have to spend more time... You know, being inpatient. Right. We have to spend more time being a full-time outpatient. Right. You know, and then after outpatients, we have to go to more physical therapy appointments than other people. Well, they have to go to physical, but we have to go to more. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. But then it's like, you know, I still have to do my exercises. Right. You know what I mean? I don't get to just walk around after having been in a full body class like... I have to do my PT, I have to like right. eat a certain way, I have right. to like, my body has been through a lot. Right. You know? And then I know you've also talked about um, in other forums about, and even if you are like then walking around and as far as anyone else can tell, you pass as normal and it's like no one maybe would know if you're crossing the street that you had been hit by a Mack truck. Right. But if you start skipping PT appointments yeah. and, you know, falling. Yep. Um off of your routine on some of these things and then it's like and then you experience yeah. it starts to show again so well it's... and also i still very much deal with the um social anxiety piece right you know i still you know i, I because and again this is the you know the level of like i still have to wake up and just figure out like how healthy do i feel yeah how much energy do i have yeah um where am i expected to go today yeah how do I feel about those places? Are they familiar places? Are they not familiar places? Right. Period. 
How many people are going to be in those places? How many people do I know are going to be in those places? How exhausting is it going to be for me to be there? Do I have anything to do after? Right. I mean, I, it's still like a whole internal inventory. It's a whole internal inventory. And so even down to like, okay, like Stephanie came and got me yesterday. It was mutual. Like we both knew that we needed to go to the meeting last night. And it's like, can you come and get me? Because when I'm in my safe space, I just want, you know, my, my wounded self and my little girl, they, we just want to stay here. Right. You know, because it's like, oh God, I've waited my whole life to feel so loved and safe. Yeah. Why go outside? Don't make believe here. Don't, yeah. like, don't, I don't want to go out there. Yeah. You know, bad people live out there. Right. And it's like, okay, well, but you know, it's kind of like saying to her, yeah, but mommy needs a meeting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I will not be a very nice mommy. Right. You know what I mean? If I don't get my meeting. Right. And so then having... And this is, and so accepting that, yeah, owning that, and then being like, okay, how can I make that happen? Yeah. So not trying to pretend that I can just do that on my own. Right. Like if Stephanie hadn't come and got me, I would have had to go on to the OA group. Right. And been like, I have to commit right. to going because I really want to stay home. Right. You know, so. Yeah. You know, so and other people, like, normal people are, you know, what? Right, you having to go what? through that yeah. entire long checklist. Yeah, it sounds like, um, you can tell me whether this is accurate or not, that it's like the dovetailing of both being in recovery and aging, just being alive for long enough on this planet. Like, you just start to know yourself in such a way oh. to be able to even identify those needs. And, like, and not how to feel re- ashamed about it. And not it. feel ashamed. And then, like, know how to respond in a way that's actually effective because mm-hmm. we've learned enough through trial and error yeah. what works and what doesn't. And that's another gift that I'm hearing you talk yeah. about just with getting older. It's like, we've done this long enough. Yeah. And if you stayed in the rooms long enough, like, yeah. this is one thing you will get. And then the tragedy is... Is is that I'm getting all of this internal wisdom and confidence and everything yeah. as my physical body yeah. is aging, right? And hence, youth is wasted on the young. Right now, I get it. Right. So there's also grief around yeah. what my life would have looked like if I had felt this way yeah. in my twenties. Right, like just even. You know, and there are people who, yeah. they did not have to, they were not hit by Mack trucks. Right. You know, and they were, ra- I mean, we don't meet them because we're not attracted to them. We don't speak their language. Right. We tend to identify and attract with people who are like, oh, you, you yeah. were hit by a truck. I see you. I see yeah. you. You know, let's do coffee and whatever. Yeah. Because we want to be our authentic selves too. Yeah. And so I want to be able to talk about like, oh yeah, no, I can't do that. I have to like bookend that. If I don't bookend it, I I won't get, yeah. yeah, and not to be like looked at and judged, right? You know, whereas with I'm people who have also been hit by Mack trucks, it's like they're telling jokes around like, oh yeah, I have to call my sister every morning to so she reminds me to care for my children, right? You know, what I mean? yeah. like you know all these things yeah. that we we get it, we get yeah. like like you know how we need quote unquote 18 professionals to get out of bed right. in the morning and right. we're 18 people or whatever. So yeah. I'm dealing with, um, right now as I'm about to have my 50th birthday in a few weeks, the, the incredible joy of being 50, of being a 50 year old woman of like, mm-hmm. I'm a crone baby. Woo-hoo! I'm a crone. You know what I mean? Catch your wisdom here. <laughs> yeah. I'm doling, up I'm the doling it out. Down. I'm doling it out. You want 
tarot reading. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's do it. Yeah. So there's that piece. There's a piece of like not apologizing for myself. Yeah. Not like, you know, the, all of this great like badassery, you know, that other women, you know, have demonstrated for me. And it's all mm-hmm. true. And... Yeah. You know, um, I finally let go of the ridiculously low calorie. You know, I was like, when I turned 49, I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, now I'm ready. Yeah. Now I'm ready to gain the 10 pounds. Right. And, and so I did. Mm -hmm. And actually I got sick and, and gained 20, but I've lost the 10. So now it's like, you know, okay, so now I'm one size bigger. Now I'm a size 12 and it does change the shape of my body. I still think I have a really good body. Um, but it's, you know, even my clothes, I'm not, now I do, I do feel, I don't want to be wearing sexy clothes. Right. It's just, it feels, it doesn't feel good on me. Yeah. It feels like, you know, this wise face with the wrinkles and everything where I'm like, that's not who I want to present to the world. I'm really like, and I have nothing like if you're older and you want to bust out the girls and whatever, I'm like, that's fine. I'm not talking, but that's not me. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, you and I were joking around like the Hermione Granger, you know what I mean? She gets the opportunity (laughs) to travel to time, time travel. travel and she takes more classes. I'm like, yeah, of course totally. I would, yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. The difference being is is that, you know, if I wanted to study the French Revolution, I'd go back to the French Revolution. You know what I mean? I'd be like in a very safe location. Right. You know what I mean? Protected eyewitness bubble. Yeah, but yeah like, you yeah. know, just peek in and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that's how I would have expanded that a little bit. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, ends up, end up in the, you know, royal castle closet peeking out. <laughs> like oh cool and then quickly you know but but yeah and also I think that because I was part of the polyamorous community and the sex positive community like I'm yeah. just like no I'm really embracing like yeah. being you know the wise woman and and the scholar and and you know I, I don't know it's just a, it's a different character aspect for me yeah. and also around like in this feminist way like you know what? I, I'm I'm not gonna lead with my sexuality. Right. There's like yeah. So this is the duality. On the one hand, I'm like no, I don't. I'm tired of that. Right. You no, that's not how I'm gonna. Because for most of us, that is just conferred upon us. Like that's... you are a young woman now. At whatever age it happens for you, or on puberty, you know, maybe yeah. there's like. You are now leading with your sexuality, whether you like, like it, or, it not. or not. And even sometimes when you're wearing a burlap sack, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you don't, even when you're younger. Want so that's to again that. the yeah. invisibility of women. So here right. I am, like, let's say that nothing traumatic happened, and I'm like, I'm turning, you know, 50, and I'm like, I'm tired of, I don't want to lead with my sexuality, yeah. either because I'm married, right. which I'm not. But let's say, like, yeah. it's no longer public. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not sexual anymore. It's just it's no longer public. Right. And I no longer want to participate in the commodity of that. Yeah. The commodity of that, right? Yeah. And then the culture is is like, well, then you don't exist for us anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're not part of this system in a way right. that we are interested in. So. Right. So that now then we have shows like Frankie and Grace. Mm-hmm. They're like revolutionary right older women use vibrators older women have a sex drive and also like the golden girls was a big deal yeah like that they showed and then also that um let's see uh frankie and grace and then there was another show where 
the fact that they were, um, oh, uh, Adam Sandler. I've never been much of an, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not anti Adam Sandler, yeah. but here's the thing. He did that movie with Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Yeah. Because they were the same age. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I know Adam Sandler enough to know yeah. that he does these little things. Mm-hmm. to, And so I knew that him casting Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. as his co-star in that mm-hmm. was not an accident. Mm-hmm. That that was him sort of like... Like he's he's a little woke, is that what you're saying? Yes. Like, okay. A little woke there. Yeah. That it's like, because I can imagine... It's hard. Here's here's why I know. There's no way that he pitched that. Right. And someone didn't suggest. Right. A younger wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like, you know what I mean? Like, and even if I'm still, I'm like, no, I'm going to give him credit. Right. Now, the truth may came out that he didn't want Jennifer Aniston and whatever, but I don't, that doesn't really go with who he has been. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the little sort of social things that he's done. Yeah. You know, he's a little woke. You can't tell me that that wasn't some sort of like. It's orchestrated in some way. Yeah. Either that it was like. Either that he's just naturally woke and was like, well, of course Jennifer Aniston is going to play. Right. You know, so in that sense he's woke where it didn't even occur to him. Right. To have a third. But you can't tell me that the studio didn't. Didn't push back. Or like, make a comment or say right. like, mm, so really Jennifer Aniston? She's right. getting kind of. Right. Are you yeah. sure you don't want Jennifer Lawrence? Can yeah. you trade another, yeah. another Jennifer who's yeah. what, 20 years younger? Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah. so, and, but again, but even how that's like, I, I watched it because I noticed that. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? That right. it was like, oh, you yeah. know, there's, and notice it was also just a Netflix movie. Right. It wasn't a big Limited studio. release. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, but still there was Jennifer Aniston playing yeah. her age. Right. She was not right. Jennifer Aniston trying to look like, which was another movie that she did, mm-hmm. where she's trying to show that she's still sexy. Still young and hot. Yeah, even if you're pushing 50. Yeah. Yeah. This was her. She got to actually be a 50-year-old woman right. or whatever. Right. Or 48 or whatever. I think she's either two years older or younger than me. Yeah. So so anyway. Yeah, if that's complicated. We could do a whole separate podcast just about... I saw that movie Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, I haven't seen or, that yet. Um, yeah. It's based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, this women who work at like an upscale strip club. Um, basically follows this whole kind of scandal around them. But Jennifer Lopez, I believe she's 50. Yeah. I mean, you watch that movie and you're like, how do I get my ass to be yeah. that perky when I'm 50? Yeah. And But then there's also, I mean, you see her and and you can tell in some ways. Yeah. So it's interesting to yeah. like watch her in that role, like actually playing a stripper who's obviously showing a lot of her body, looking incredible. And also, of course, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking about, you know, some social media post I saw with her and her husband, Alex Rodriguez, about like the crazy workouts they do. And then these, that's what I'm, you know, but that's the catered thing. meals that they eat after. I'm like, well, of course you would look like that when you're 50 if you're doing all those things. And, and as much as I love JLo, I'm like, yeah, but she, there are certain women out there. This is our love for Frances McDormand, where yes. in order to maintain their power and control... They are, it's the same thing when I said, I'm not ready. You know, when I was like 45 and my body was, wanted to get a little softer and a little whatever. And I said, I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready for this. And, 
And I also, as a young person, when I came into OA and saw all these older women that mm-hmm. were like 20 or 30 pounds overweight, I was like, you've yeah. got to be kidding me. What are you selling? Right. Like this is program. Yeah. And now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah ladies. Yeah. This is actually, you and, know what I mean? And guess what? We're selling the serenity because like, if we're using JLo as an example, yeah. it's like, how unrealistic are the things that people are doing to even look like that? And that brings up a whole other right. subtopic of like class and privilege yeah. and all those types of things where, yeah, what about like just a regular person and like, what does it mean to surrender some things with grace? And, and where did our eating disorder come from? Well, exactly. If only I could be perfect, then I would be safe. Yeah. Then I would be valuable. Yeah. Then I would be not our whole eating, eating disorder, but a certain aspect of the of body it. image yeah. dysmorphia yeah. is just like, okay, women who look like this, yeah. you know what I mean? Are valued. I don't look like that. Yeah. So now I am less than, which right. is a good defini- a good working definition of shame. Right. So now it's like, okay, yeah, you know, some women deal with that, some women, but if you're, you know, an adult child of alcoholics or if you have certain trauma thing, that just exacerbates the like, oh, my body is, le- now the body image dysmorphia right. starts to feed. Right. So that's the other piece around the getting older is right. it's like, okay, to stay in the rooms, to do the work, to start to be able to heal. It is powerful for me that every morning I wake up, I got a fucking full length mirror in mm-hmm. there because I'm vain and want to make sure my yeah. outfit goes. Yeah. But also just to get to a place where it's like, I see my, you know, one size bigger body and yeah. I'm just like, damn, you look good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just to be in a place where that's, what my first thought is Mm -hmm. and that took a lot of years of my first thought being critical wow and then having to do a recovery thought yeah why don't you look and see and actually have to do the work of looking at my body and being like can you see yeah how this is really pretty and having to focus on parts of my body that it's like well look on the parts that you like Mm -hmm. why don't you focus on that right and doing that fucking day after day after day year after year after year yeah and doing the shame work and doing whatever and then you do have a bit of a more my experience is having a psychic shift yeah now, of course, there are times, you know, now at night when I'm naked, I'm like, God, you look tired. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's all about the time of day. It right? is so all about the time of day. I'm like, you are hanging. <laughs> You're just like, whatever. But then, even when that happens, I'm like, don't worry, honey. Go yeah. to bed. You'll look great You'll in the morning. You'll perk up in the morning. You'll perk yeah. up in the morning. And so I think the thing, the frustrating piece for me is, is that just when I have a strong sense of self and yeah. just when... I feel confident in my body. Yeah. And just when I've done so much healing around the body image dysmorphia and all that work, I'm turning 50. Yeah. So there is a lot of grief there. Yeah. Around like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I get to look at like, I had fun. Right. You know what I mean? I had enough positive experiences. Right. You know... 15%, 15%, but still. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, okay. It's like this body enjoyed its youth. Like it yeah. did, it did like fully yeah. take advantage of that at yeah. least sometimes. And also that, and this is what we were talking about before, like, I can imagine that a woman that just sort of came out into that. Yeah. And was just immediately embraced with that. Like, for example, J-Lo and Madonna. Right. Where it's like, okay, you have been rewarded from day one. Right. And you're getting older. Right. 
and how what do you what do you have how do you have how are you dealing with that right you get young girls at 28 now doing botox oh yeah i mean it's just yeah so meaning they're maybe now having to do work yeah that we didn't have that we are forced to do because right. of recovery right yeah, because everyone, I don't care who you are, even Jane Fonda, who's had a crazy amount of plastic surgery, yeah, which is very nice looking plastic surgery is on the spectrum of yeah. plastic surgery. But, That's very true. But is she 80 something yeah. now? Um, you know, most of us are not going to look like her at 80, but it's like at some point you can't keep fighting it. And I don't even care, you know, if you're Jane Fonda yeah. or whoever, like nature's gonna win like yeah. this is where the higher power comes in and yeah. this is where we in a way you know have our advantage of like we've been working with this higher power we've been yeah. had to work with this higher power yeah. idea ever since we got into recovery so we get like oh yeah this is more powerful than me yeah. and we have to accept that on the deepest level, level. Yeah. and not like be fighting and fighting and doing crazier and crazier and more things and throwing more and more resources at fighting aging and then finally we get to like 80 or 85 right and it's like oh i actually can't when I can't fight this. Right. It's like, we can put down the, I don't know, the club, whatever yeah. you want to come up with. Yeah. But long before that. Yeah. And that's the thing about having the body image dysmorphia is, you know, again, to have it sucks. Wouldn't wish it on an enemy. Right. Unless he was in the White House. But, um, <laughs> you know, but anyway, but again, and we can wrap up, honey, is uh, that... Um, by because it's the tools transfer exactly the tools are transferable exactly. tools the skills are transferable skills yeah so because of all the work that i had to do around just the body image dysmorphia right and my relating to my body and hating my body and not wanting to be in it right and then getting you know thin enough that i wanted to be in it and then realizing that being in it was and getting the attention was way more than i could handle right. and relapsing and having to do all of that 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 whole arc is like, well, now that I'm aging and I'm losing all this, I'm like, okay. It's like, I've already been trained for this. I know. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, yeah. yeah. Is this easy? No. Yeah. Now, But now I'm getting it and right. it's not devastating me. Right. It's like, I've already been devastated. <laughs> right. That's where we have the advantage yeah. in recovery where it's like, I've already been through the purifying flames of hell, hell. in yeah. many different forms. Yeah. So I'm I'm more prepared at yeah. least than some people. Yeah. Yeah, and also now getting to know like like oh, this is what they mean when they say yeah. the invisibility of women on in terms of aging. Now there's invisibility of women in terms of whatever. Right. But this is where it's like okay, now I get what you're talking about and it's happening to me. Right. So I know we only have a little, like yeah. a few more minutes, but I want to, um, maybe wrap up going toward, like, I know you and I have talked about like, of course the invisibility and like, like anything like beauty, it's two sided, mm -hmm. right. Or it's multidimensional. Yeah. Like, so there's the invisibility and the grief around that, but we've talked about the freedom yeah. of the invisibility. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to speak to that or if there's any other things kind of related to that idea. The freedom of the invisibility. Well, I don't know. I think that would be another podcast because, okay. uh, you know, because at 12 gaining 60 pounds, yeah. you know, and, and being invisible in that regard. Yeah. And again, towards white males, yeah. you know, um, until I was, you know, in my early thirties yeah. that, uh, you know, and also 
yeah, I think this would be a good thing because the other thing was because I was neglected, I also demanded a lot of attention. Right. You know, and so there's a sense around, I don't know, I think that I can't speak to that. Here's what I notice that keeps coming up for me around the invisibility. Yeah. Is so on a more specific aspect of invisibility as opposed to just being invisible because my relationship with that is so like complex. I can't answer that in a quick question or a quick answer. But what I can talk to is, is like now that I'm older, Mm -hmm. if I'm in a store or anything and now I'm definitely not getting any sort of like, Ooh, you know what I mean? From men anymore. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Women are fine. But what I notice now is I'm very careful about complaining about anything. Mm, okay. Because now I'm in this mm, yeah. population of, you know. Yeah, the complaining older lady who's always yeah. griping about something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very aware now yeah. that it's like, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, even though. It's just very different. Yeah. It's just very different. Yeah. Like the fact, you know, that I'm not, you know, um, fronting with my sexuality. The fact that, I, you know, I cut my hair off, you know, and that my wrinkles are actually showing now. So my age is more visible to other people. Yeah. I'm just very well, I'm just very aware of the ability to be dismissed. Right. Right. You know, and yeah. that, you know, like because of how we present. Yeah. Because now be, I've moved into this other population. Yeah. This preordained population of like, quote unquote, the shrew or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of just, you know, the busybody or what. It's interesting mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. like a whole different set of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. All these personas. Yeah. That, you know, just again, like when you're younger and you're sort of figuring out what your vibe is, there are all these stereotypes. Like, are you going to be the cheerleader or the rocker or whatever? Yeah. Like, who are you going to be? And then, you know, yeah. in your 20s, same thing, stereotypical, stereotype, stereotype. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm very aware, aware that I'm stepping into another age, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of menopausal age. Yeah. That, um, you know, it's like, oh. Right. A whole other set of stereotypes. Here are the things that people might be projecting onto me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or expecting me to be, or. Right. Here's, here are these, like, what are they called? Like, things that I'm being. Here are the the boxes. The boxes you're being, yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, oh, I'm being put into this. Oh, okay, good. That's a new one for me. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I found myself in here. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You are already embodying for me the, I don't know what I want to call it, the fierce crone or like the crone warrior. We got to come up with, like, yeah. Yeah. The mermaid crone. There's a lot of different versions. Yeah. Like, that's what I aspire to. And yeah. that's what I need. Like, this is what I need on my team are women like you yeah. who are owning their age. Of course, obviously, you know, all of us still have our yeah. our own journey. It's not to say, like, I sometimes get sick of when our culture talks about, like, oh, just own it. As if you can just, like, slough off the sort of problematic aspects. It's like, yeah. no, it's still yeah. going to be fucking hard. Yeah. But, like, we do have a choice in the way that we carry this. Yeah. And I just... Yeah, you're one of those yeah. models for me, and I'm like, I'm I'm gathering them all. As I'm <laughs> yeah, and that's the, the thing. It's like start yeah. to notice, like, yeah. you know, 
the older women and how badass they are. And it's like, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Like I already told you, I'm like gathering my spirit crones. Francis yeah. McDormand's one yeah. of them. It's like, okay, my crew, yeah. I'm assembling them. Yeah. Like you're one of the, you know, ones yeah. in the flesh, of course, that yeah. I have in my life. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, yeah, thank you. Just, and you know, and this is again, our love for Francis McDormand is like, let me just be a woman who ages for fuck's sake. Right. Like, can and I like, lets the world see her age. age. Yeah. And be like, yep, here I am. Yeah. Why should I apologize for this? Yeah. You know? And yeah. But anyway, so let's thank our, thank our listeners. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to you joining us to, for our part three. Three. Yeah. Forthcoming. Yeah. Featuring Julie. Yeah. amazing yeah and yeah exploring your grand this, sponsor yeah my grand sponsor exploring yeah. this topic Yay. even more okay all right love you guys bye